Good morning. You guys have your Bibles this morning. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 26. And find your place in that 12th verse. Genesis 26 and 12. If you have trouble finding Genesis, yes, sir. You may want to spend a little time in your Bibles. But Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 through 18. Unless the Lord wants me to go a little farther. But let's go to Genesis 26 and 12. And once you find your place, as always, we ask you this morning to stand for the reading of God's Holy Scripture. Miss Don, one of her visitors, told me that her dad was a man of God, or still is, and uh, puts a lot of great pressure on me because, you know, when you're around a man of God your entire life, that's, that's exactly what you expect to hear when you come to church. I pray that God would use me to reach that expectation. Genesis chapter 26, verses 12 through 18. If you have your place, say amen. The Bible said that Isaac planted crops in that land. In the same year, he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. Understand that any time you begin to prosper and be successful, the enemy is not going to be very happy. He's going to try to come and get what you have. So all the wells that his father's, his father's service had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and camped in the valley of Gerar where he settled. Verse 18, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, Holy God, in the mighty name of Christ, our Savior. Father, this is the day, Lord, that you have made. And Holy Father, we rejoice and we're glad to be in it. Oh God, I humble myself before you now because I know, Lord, that with you, Lord, I can do all things. But I also know, God, that without you, I can do nothing. Father, take these lips of clay and speak through my heart, Lord, that I may glorify you in each and everything I say and do. I pray today that you would open the ears of your people. You would touch their hearts, their minds, their souls today in a supernatural way. And I pray, oh God, that we would leave here not the same way that we came, but Lord, that we would be changed and transformed by the renewing of our minds today through your word. Father, have your way in this service And hide your servant behind the cross that no flesh may boast before you. Because, Lord, I know that many times in life I have been a boastful man. I know that I have been arrogant, haughty, and sinful. But I thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient and your mercy endures forever. We praise you in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen and amen. I just noticed that we are having the Lord's Supper this morning, so I guess we will wait to the end of the service. (laughs) Because I was so focused on my message that 
I forgot one of the most important things, but I hadn't forgotten now. It's in my face. And so keep me in step today and, and, and don't let me forget that this morning. Let's go back a little bit. Let's understand that in this story, right after the death of Abraham, we find that a great famine has fell into the land. And any time that there is a famine, people are very quick about uprooting and leaving and trying to find a place to survive. And back at that time, many people were uprooting and moving back into Egypt because, as you know, the Nile River ran through the city and it was a great river. And even though they were in a drought, there was still water to live on. But I want you to understand that, that God had told Isaac not to go back to Egypt. Everybody say, don't go back to Egypt. <clears throat> because you have to understand that, that Egypt is a shadow of our world today. And you need to understand that the God we serve, that He is the provider. And if anybody in the Scriptures would know that God is the provider, it would have to be Isaac. Because as you know, that it was Isaac who... Abraham had taken up to sacrifice him unto the Lord. And we know that God stopped Abraham before he would take his son's life and he provided a ram in the thicket. And Abraham named that place Jehovah Jireh, which simply means Yahweh, the Lord shall provide. Can I get an amen? And we understand that Paul in the New Testament, he tells us in Philippians 4, 19, that, that, that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? And so Egypt is, is, is a shadow of the world. And as you know, you and I as Christian men and women of God, we are called to come out from the world and be separate. We are called to be the head and not the tail. Can I get an amen? And Jesus, he, he simply tells us in John 15, verse 18 and 19. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. And that is why the world hates you. And one of the scriptures that I have used over and over throughout my entire pastoral career, and even as an evangelist, is found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, 315 through 17. I'm very sorry, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. And I love this scripture right here because, as you know, John really does not hold any punches. But, but, but I like this verse because... In the verse itself, you see the exegesis that explains itself. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. For anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God will live forever. Are you with me so far? But understand today, we're living in a very similar type of world. And even though we have plenty of food and water in our country, we ourselves are going through a, a famine. It's not a natural famine. It is a spiritual famine and, and we should not be surprised because God he, he, he tells us in his word that, that one day he was sent a famine through the land Amos 8.11 the Bible says the days are coming declares the Lord when I will send a famine throughout the land not a famine of food or, or thirst of water but, but a famine of hearing the word of the Lord and even though we, we, we know and you know and I know that throughout our countries there's thousands upon thousands of preachers. But, but there's sadly to say there's only a handful, there's, there's only a few out there 
that are still feeding God's flock. And when I say feeding the flock, I'm talking about speaking the truth out of God's word. Jesus said that that, that is the truth that sets you free. In other words, you can preach the lie all day, but it's not going to set anybody free because that's simply just tickling the ears. And, and it's not my job to tickle your ears or to make you like me or to become popular. It's my job as a man of God to preach the truth. Jesus asked Peter in John 21 and 17. The second part, he said, Peter, do you love me? And he's like, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, well, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. The, the, the greatest proof that I have today that I can prove to anyone that I love Jesus is when I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power and the salvation for those who believe. First for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. For just as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Can I get an amen? And so in our story, we, we find that, that Isaac has moved into the land of the Philistines. And he's now dealing with the king by the name of Abimelech. Now understand that the Philistines are also a shadow of something that we're dealing with in our world today. The Philistines are a shadow of spiritual warfare. The Philistines or a shadow of the enemy that we're dealing with every single day of our life. You may not realize it, but you are in a battle. The enemy, he comes only for one purpose, and you know what that purpose is. And he's using his fallen angels, those who chose to go against God's will, and he's using those individuals to come against you weekly. Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, 10 through 18, and he, he tells us about these individuals. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I hate to say this, but we got some high places in America that I can truly see the enemy working. Every time I walk into the grocery store at Walmart, I'm thinking the enemy is a liar. And God is my provider. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so basically understand that just like Isaac, no matter where you go in life, no matter where you live, no matter where you go to church, you're going to find that the enemy... Is still out to get you. Because you got to realize that, that all the kingdoms of the earth, all the kingdoms of the world belongs to the devil. Read with me Luke chapter 4, 5 through 7. You know the temptation of Christ is found in Matthew 4 and, Ma and Luke 4. But here it says, The devil led Jesus up to a high place and showed him all in an instant the kingdoms of all the world. And he said to Jesus, I'll give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it is all yours. Jesus said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Can I get an amen? But regardless of the situation of our story, Isaac living in a land of famine, he did the impossible. I want you to think about it. There's no rain. There's no food. Just dust. But out of all the impossibilities, Isaac plants. He plants a garden or he sows his soul seed into the field. And, and, and miraculously, because he was blessed, he reaps a hundredfold. And what I'm saying is, it, it doesn't matter what the world is going through today. If you and I, as the men and women of God, if we decide in our hearts 
that I'm going to follow the Lord and I'm going to love him with all my heart, my soul, my strength and mind. And I'm going to take his word. I'm going to believe his word over what the world has to say. And I can look at the impossibilities in my life and I can still plant the seed of God's word in people's lives, in my life, in the family that I live with. Plant it. And I can promise you those seeds will not return void. But I shall, shall accomplish that which God pleases in the purpose for which he sends it. We serve a good God today. We serve a loving God today. We serve a merciful God. A God who always and will always love his children. And if you bear the name of Christ, if you walk around on this earth and you're called a Christian, I can promise you God will take care of you. Don't get caught up in the situations because you may be walking in a drought right now. Just trust God because He is the one who brings the blessings. James says in 1 and 12, Blessed is the man who perseveres under the trials. Because when he has stood the test, he shall receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And so now we, we find that Isaac, he's asked to move out, to leave. The devil has basically driven him out. And so we find him in the valley of Gerar. And take note of verse 18 of our text because this is so important. This is what we're going to focus on this morning. Verse 18, it says, Isaac reopened the wells, re the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Let's go ahead and entitle our sermon this morning. Today's message is simply entitled, Reopen Your Wells. I want everybody to say, neighbor. If you have a neighbor, say, neighbor. <laughs> Does it ever feel like the enemy is constantly trying to fill you up with all his junk? all his dirt. Come on, amen. And, and when I say that, what, what I'm talking about, does it feel like the enemy is trying to pollute your well? I believe it was Ezekiel said in 16 and 6, when I passed by thee, I saw thee polluted in thy own well, in thy own blood. And I said unto thee, when thou was in thy own blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when thou was in thy own blood, live. I like Solomon. He's the great man of wisdom. And he gives us these words of wisdom in 25 and 26 of Proverbs. He said, like a muddy spring or a polluted well is a righteous man that gives way to the wicked. In other words, the only way the enemy can fill your wells today is when you give way to him. That means you allow him in your door. In other words, you have allowed him into your life. You step into his trap, you step into his snares. You know they're there. We know he, he has the purpose of stealing, the killing, and destroying. But you also have a choice. God has set before us a door of life, but the enemy has set before you a door of death. And you must choose life. The Bible says to choose life. It's your choice. I like what Peter says, 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. Be self-controlled. Everybody said, I got to be self-controlled. You got to control yourself. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. You're not alone in this battle called life. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But he's also given us neighbors, those that we can call on, friends, family members, church members. That's one thing I love about our church. 
if you ever find yourself in need, all you have to do is say, I need help. And I can promise you there, there's somebody in this church because we have one of the most giving, most loving churches that I've ever been in. And, you know, as an evangelist, I went through a lot of churches, preaching in a lot of churches. But, but you seldom see the heart of giving. And I love our church because our people love to give. Now, let me say something to you. In the Bible, you'll find that, that every story in there, naturally, there's also a spiritual meaning behind it. Am I right? But I'm going to say this too. They're not always easy to see. Because in order to see the, the spiritual side of those stories, you have to have something that the Bible calls spiritual eyes. Unless you have eyes and you're walking around blind, you'll never see it. And in other words, there's a lot of people who will step into the churches today and they'll leave the same way they came, blind and naked, never been clothed in the power of God because their eyes are closed and their ears are stopped. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, the man without the Spirit, he does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But I'm here to tell you today as, as your friend, as your pastor, that you, my friend, are a shadow of the well. The well. And, and your life is supposed to be the source to someone your life it has, has the opportunity to be filled with the Word of God. So, so anybody in this world who is thirsting, because you see, naturally, you can only live three days without water, but spiritually, people are walking around spiritually thirsty, starving for the living water. And then they may come to you, and if your well is empty because you have not studied and show thyself approved, you yourself are going to feel ashamed. You're going to walk away and say, you know what? I should have spent more time reading the Word of God. I should have spent more time studying. I should have spent more time memorizing the Word of God. Because I'm here to tell you, if it's not in you, it's pretty hard to pull out. And you also will need to understand that, that at the same time that, that you're called to fill yourself with the water, the Word of God, the enemy will also be there trying to fill you with the things of this world. And it's easy to fill your wells up with soil, dirt, filth. Because every channel you turn on, something's wrong. Are you with me so far? I mean, we live in a, a polluted generation. This is a perverse generation, as the Bible would call it. And, and you know that, that you can't even go to, to Walmart in the checkout line with, with some ungodly picture of a woman half undressed, and the enemy will use that as a temptation for men because he, he, his desire is, is to get your mind off of God's will. And he'll use any trap, any snare, and he'll set it before you because he has the purpose to stop up your well. Because as long as your well is full of earth, full of sinful things, full of ungodliness, there, there's no way that the Holy Spirit can draw out of you to help somebody else because he's not going to feed trash to his babies. Are you with me so far? I remember Jesus came to the woman at the well. John 4 and 10, Jesus answered her. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. You see, Jesus was more than a man. He was the God-man. He was God's Word manifested in the flesh. We all know it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was. Yes, you know that. Hallelujah. And so in order to stop that flow 
The enemy, he comes to steal, to kill and destroy, according to John 10 and 10. But see, Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants the water through the Holy Spirit to flow out of you. He, he wants you to be a well that's, that, that's running freely, that's full of life, not death. And, and sees the enemy, he, he has the purpose of taking the dirt of this world and just constantly shoveling it in on top of you. And the longer it seems we live in this world, the more dirt there is to put in my well. And I'm sick of that dirt. Paul says in Romans 8 and 5, those who live according to the flesh... They have their minds set on what that flesh desires. But those who live according accordance with the Spirit, they have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Right now in your kitchen, you have something called an oven. I hope y'all have an oven. If you don't have an oven, we'll help you get an oven. I could use a new one. Just kidding. But in your house, that oven has something called a knob. And you can turn that knob, you turn it on, and you can set it at 350 degrees. And did you know that that oven, it'll keep cooking and turning on and keep getting hotter and hotter until it reaches 350 degrees? And once it reaches, it won't go no higher, it won't go no lower. In other words, you will get what you set it on. If you're not seeing the fruit of God in your life, you're not setting your gaze on the right degree. You're, you're, oh, come on, amen. You're not setting it on the Word of God. Because as long as you're still setting it on the world, I can promise you only the world will come out of you. And so you need to tell your oven, come on oven, we need to, get, we need to heat up and we need to set our, our minds on the Word of God. Because when I open up this thing called the door, I don't want the trash to come out of it. I want the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto God. I want to open my mouth and I want blessings, not curses. The Bible says out of the same mouth come blessings and curses. I don't want curses to come out of my mouth. I don't want to curse my children. I don't want to curse my friends. And I surely don't want to curse this church. But when I open my mouth, I want to be like a well. I want life to come out. And when I stand up here and preach, I'm not here trying to glorify nobody but the King of Kings. But when I open my mouth, I want you to leave this place today filled with something that represents life and love, grace and mercy, friendship and all the things that God desires from you. Paul tells us in Galatians 5 and 19, you, you can look in this scripture and you'll see that, that, that it's a list of all the dirt he uses to tempt you to fill up your wells. Are y'all enjoying this so far? But take note of what he says here. He says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. I know you're thinking, what the heck is a debauchery? What that is is the excesses, excessive indulgence in sensual pleasure. In other words, that could range from pornography overeating, gossiping. You know, people love to talk about others. Come on, amen. Or oh, are you following me so far? And the devil uses whatever it is to pollute your well. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits and rage and selfish ambitions. What is your ambition? Is it from God or is it from the enemy? Dissensions and factions and envy and drunkenness and orgies and, and, and the like. And I warned you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Now, he's not saying that you can't make mistakes because we all sin and we all fall short. But I believe he's saying that if this is your lifestyle, you're not exactly where you think you are. In other words, your, your, your well is producing the wrong thing. Hallelujah. And so the devil is constantly using our minds to keep us preoccupied with his junk when we should be filling it up with the word of God. Romans 12 and 2. You know this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. I desire to be in the perfect will of God. I'm not even sure if I know what that looks like. Because I've never been there. The perfect will. But, but inside of me, I, I've got it set on perfect will. <laughs> and it, it may be taking a while to heat up, and I, but I know if I just keep striving for perfection, and I know I'm not trusting in my perfection, I'm trusting in Christ. But, but still, there, there's something in me that desires to be like my Savior. I desire to be Christ-like. And I know that when I open my well, I want to bring life into your lives. Are you with me so far? David said it like this, Psalms 119.11. Lord, I've, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the holy water of God's word, it helps us, it teaches us to remove the fleshly things, the dirt from our wells, so that we can be a life source to others. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 and 13, it shows us how to remove the dirt. He says, so, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall because no temptation has seized you except what is common to man that God is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Do you ever feel like you're just shoveling dirt out? And every time you throw a shovel out, the enemy's up on top throwing two more down on you. That's how I feel sometimes. I'm like, Lord, I'm trying to clean out this well through the power of the Holy Spirit, but the enemy's working double time against me. But you know what I hear in my spirit right now? Welcome to the Christian walk. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because if you think you're the only one in this room today that the enemy is not trying to fill you up with his junk, you're silly. There's not a soul in this room that's not dealing with the devil because he despises. He hates us because we bear the name. 1 Peter 3, 14, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. 1 Peter 4, 16, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. You, you may feel that you can't even find the top of the well. It's full of dirt. But praise God that you bear that name. Because if he's written your name in the Lamb's book of life with the precious blood of Christ, there's not a devil in hell that can erase it. I was thinking about that cartoon I saw when I was a boy. I don't know where this came from. I don't even know if this is the Holy Spirit. But it was funny to me. But, but I remember the cartoon because there was a prisoner in prison and he got the life sentence. And he said, I'm just going to dig my way out of here. And he began to dig and he spent 15 years, they show the calendar flipping. 15 years of digging and he finally poked through and he saw some light. 
but he did not realize that he began to dig a circle. <laughs> Woo! And he started here and he went all the way around underground and popped up in the middle of the courtyard. That's very much like a lot of us. We start one way. We got our mind set. I'm going to do it this time. Wake up the next morning. You got mad and said something you didn't. You're back in the courtyard. But I'm so glad that my Bible said that if I confess my sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive me my sins and purify me from all unrighteousness. And even though sometimes I end back up at the same place I started, I still have a God who says go. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep digging. <laughs> Are y'all bored yet? But in our story, we find that Isaac was driven from one place to another. And so everywhere he goes, he digs well. The first place he stopped, he dug a well and found water, and he named it Esek, which means dispute. And the reason it's called dispute because the moment that he found water, the Philistines came to take his well. And so he packs up everything he has and he moves again to another land and he digs and he finds water and he names it Sitna, which means opposition. In other words, it doesn't matter how hard you work for something, the enemy is going to try to take it from you. But, but I love the third well because when he got to this, this, this new area, he digs a well and he says, I'm going to call it Rehoboth. That means I got room. In other words, he got to that place where God said, I'm just going to give you room, space. Some of y'all need a little room in your life. You feel like you're being pressured on every side and crushed and perplexed and despair and persecuted. Are you with me so far? I think it was Jabez who said in 1 Corinthians 4 and 10, and Jabez cried out to the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me to keep me from harm so that I be free from pain. And God granted his request. In other words, don't quit praying, fasting, and trusting God. Because no matter how many times you get defeated in life, keep digging your wells. Because God is going to give you room to grow. Isaac had plenty of room, good water, but he decided to redig his dad's well. He dug it, and he said, I'm going to call it Sheba. Sheba simply means seven. It, it simply means perfection. It, it, it simply means completion. The day of rest was on the seventh day. Are you with me? And so I hear in my spirit that God is speaking to us today about our wells. And so I quickly want to share this with you because you've got to see this. I'm not saying that I'm a prophet. I'm just saying this is kind of prophetic. And I'm not a prophet. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not a prophet by far. I'm just a man. But when you hear this, you're going to say, ooh, this is truly from the Lord. But because I think back to 2004, that's, that's almost 20 years, 20 years this year. I think back to that time because we started this church in my prayer room. You've been in my prayer room, only one of you have, I think. It's a small room out in the middle of nowhere in the backyard, about 300 feet from my house. It's by itself. But I started Millwood Church right there. I put three pews in the, this pulpit here that I built out of Millwood. We outgrew that quickly. We move into my living room. And every Sunday we're having church in my house, taking out coffee tables, moving chairs, bringing in little chairs, setting up drums, setting up PA every week. And then God moves us to a daycare. And, and all of a sudden we just begin to explode. 
We began to grow and, and grow, and, and then we, had, we were asked to leave, and then we, we, we had to find a school. We went to a school, and then finally we, we, we got a piece of property and fate. We were renting it, and we spent thousands of dollars to fix up this church, and there was tons of people. I'm, I'm talking a lot of people. But then God opens up the door, and he brings us to our Rehoboth, a place of room. We, we got room here. But then all of a sudden, the devil is working overtime to stop up our wells. And he begins to, to do what he does best, a lie after lie. My Bible said he's a liar and the father of And he begins to, to take one family, one person, one individual, and he begins to fill the, the well of, of the youth department, fill the well of, of classrooms, fill the well of, of musicians, begin to fill the well of, of our prison ministry, and he fills the wells over and over with his lies, his destructive dirt, and the wells begin to fall, cave in and leave. And all of a sudden, the wells are no longer prosperous. The wells are closed. There's no one being fed through the water because the wells have been filled up. And, and when we have allowed the enemy to come in and say, I'll just bring in a little dirt about this, a little dirt about that, and you know he's never told the truth. Because if I or, or you were anything that he said we were, we wouldn't be here at all. But he's very persuasive at what he does. And so they would listen to the lies, the deceptions, and their wells were closed. And the little children suffer, the youth suffer, the church suffers. But, but God is telling me in my spirit, you know what? We got to remove some dirt out of some wells. And we got to rename these wells. And he gave me a, a, an acronym for the word dirt. D-I stands, you need to drop it. R stands for repent and T is for turn. Drop it. <laughs> Are you with me so far? Repent and turn. If you have had a ministry and you have allowed the enemy to come in and fill your well up, it's time for you to get your shovel through the power of the Holy Spirit and begin to redig that well and get back to the place that God has called you to. I can promise you, one man can't do it all. It takes teamwork. My buddy Diamond J says that, that teamwork is dream work. I don't know where he got to, but I just stole it. And so we, we have to change our ways of thinking. Paul says in Colossians 3, 1 through 3, since then, you, since then you've been raised through Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earth things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. Paul said, I'm sorry, David said, blessed is the man, Psalms 1 and 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way, in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Fill up those wells. Joshua said it like this, 1 and 8. Do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Do you want this church to succeed? I was so happy when I saw y'all. I was thinking, here's people who have a heart to dig. Maybe take a ministry over that's been lost. And they find that well and say, I'll take it. I got a shovel. I was raised with a shovel in my hand. Come on, hallelujah. Paul says, Philippians 4 and 8, Finally, my brethren, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, 
if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Get your mind out of the dirt. Get your mind on the Word of God. Get your shovel in your hand and dig out a well. These ladies have been working hard around the building, cleaning, fixing, setting up two trees. Got a double portion. Love it. Because every time I see people working around here, I see God's hands moving. Hallelujah. I want the men of God to come down. We're going to have the Lord's Supper because I knew y'all were going to remind me. Kristen's looking at me funny over there. How are you going to finish this? I'm not God is. <laughs> He's going to finish this. The Apostle Paul, he tells us in 1 Corinthians, he said, for whenever you eat, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The proclamation of death. He said, therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment upon himself. And that is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. Paul's basically saying it. we got to check ourselves or we wreck ourselves. And so I remind you of scriptures today that, that we're called to confess those sins before God. The Bible says that we all have sinned. We all have fallen short to the glory of God. The Bible says there's not a righteous man on this earth who does what is right and never sins. But I quoted some of this earlier, but John says it like this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. But if we claim we have not sinned, we make God out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our life. So I want you to close your eyes this morning. And let's just pray out loud. I'm going to say something. I want you guys to repeat after me. Here's a great prayer. This is the prayer of David. Father, have mercy on me. Oh, God, according to your unfading love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, Wash away my iniquities and cleanse me from sin. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of my salvation. I want you to take this symbol of bread here, the symbol of the body of Christ. Put it in your right hand. The right hand represents the covenant with God. I want you to raise that bread with me this morning. I remind you of the words of Jesus. He said, I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But here's the bread which comes down from heaven which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread which comes down from heaven which a man may eat and live forever. This bread is my flesh and I give it for the life of the world. 
Isaiah says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we're healed. I want you to receive it with me now and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive it. Jesus tells us that this blood, the symbol of blood, is a sign of the new covenant. Jeremiah says that the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with your forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, for they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. This is the covenant after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and write it upon their minds, and no longer will a man teach a man his neighbor, saying, Know the Lord, for they all will know me from the least of these to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Paul says in Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Colossians 1.13 through 14, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves, through whom we have redemption through his blood. Revelations 19 and 13, He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Raise it to the skies. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the shedding of your blood. Thank you for the remission of sins. We love you. And we receive it by faith. In Jesus' name. You guys have a great week. I'm not going to have an altar call today. But if you need prayer before you leave here, you can come see me. I'm, I'm always up here. Miss Brenda, she gets me. She has a story to tell me. So I'll be here a little while. If you need prayer, just come, and I'll pray for you. You may be struggling with one of your children or something. I don't know. It may be your wife. It may be your husband. Only you and God knows. But I do know one thing. It says that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The only way I become righteous is through Jesus Christ. But I believe by faith, if I pray, by faith the mountains will move. You guys have a blessed day. I love you all.